as their own heroics were eclipsed by the game's brightest star. Two legendary quarterbacks had waged the most dramatic duel of the year, and Joe Montana would fire the final shot. 10 of 11 for the last to passes for Montana. He now has 402 yards passing. But he needs six more. Montana takes the snap. Back to throw. Looking right. Firing a pass that a leaping grab. Willie Davis. Touchdown, Kansas City. Willie Davis made the catch. Curled inside the right pylon. Touchdown, Montana Magic. Kansas City takes the lead with eight seconds left. Welcome to another edition of Chiefly Football. We're getting ramped up. Broncos, Chiefs, Sunday, AFC rivalry game. Well, you keep hearing a lot about how Drew Locke is supposed to be the, the next man at quarterback. Um, Bronco fans, like Chiefs fans now, back in the 80s and 90s, Elway was just the one. He was the man. I, I saw him take teams with no talent on to five Super Bowls. And I remember Marty Schottenheimer would have a whole laundry list of things that had to happen for the Chiefs to win. Time of possession, win the turnover battle, field position. No, you know, and it, and it's like all Denver had to do is, well, if number seven plays well, we'll win this week. That greatness, I'm starting to see it a little in Mahomes, but I saw it for what 18 years in Denver with Elway, and and you know, I know Drew Locke's Lee Summit kid, Missouri Missouri guy. I I I love him, Elway. Wow, that I think he was their once in a lifetime franchise quarterback. I know Peyton won the Super Bowl in 15, but Elway was just the man. I don't think Denver will ever see it. So it's sad for them that the best years are behind them. How does Mahomes match up against Elway? He's going to rip their heart out just like Elway used to rip our heart out. You know, even when things are going so wrong for the Chiefs, and we saw it uh, last year with the left-handed toss and you think you got him down. You know, we saw it with Elway, third and 17, completing 40-yard pass. Mahomes, he's Kansas City's version of Elway. Now, Mahomes has better tools than Elway ever had. That's what, to me, that's what makes what Elway did just unbelievable. He didn't have anything around it. Uh, Haven oh. Moses and, and, and McCaffrey were, that was all he had. Terrell Davis. In the last two years, but he didn't have done the first 15 years. Nationally, the knock on Mahomes is he's got the playmakers around him, and that's why he's successful. What you're saying is Elway was successful without those weapons. Yeah, do you know what I've seen lately? John Elway struggled against the Chiefs as a general manager. You want me to tell you the last <laughs> eight quarterbacks that have played under John Elway and his marvelous eye for talent? Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, and Brett Rippon. I mean, they're, he's ripping the, the Broncos' hearts out, and he's on their team. Five and one Chiefs versus the two and three Broncos. Kenlock, you have the latest injury report. All right, so the Kansas City Chiefs, Taco Charlton, Alex Okafor, Mitchell Schwartz, and Sammy Watkins all did not participate in practice. Um, Alex Okafor with a hamstring injury and Mitchell Swartz with a back injury. We both remember them leaving um, in the middle of last week's game. Um, Sammy Watkins has been out for, this will be his second week. And then Taco Charlton, I don't remember him missing any time during the game. We could be looking at some some depth, depth issues on the defensive line if he's not able to play. As far as the Broncos are, are concerned, really their, their biggest players that didn't participate in practice is Dal Dalton Risner, um, an offensive lineman. And then Bradley Chubb was limited, and Noah Fant was also limited. So 
I think both Chubb and Fant are both expected to play. Fant's been out for several weeks. He's a big-time weapon for the Broncos, so they'll be fortunate to get him back. Yeah, so as far as the Chiefs are concerned, really it's just Okafor um, and Schwartz that we're probably going to be missing. Sammy Watkins looks like they're playing the wait-and-see game to see if he's feeling it come game time. And chances are with Andy, wait and see. It's a lot more wait than yep. see. So I wouldn't expect Sammy. Chiefs 5-1 and one, coming off their win against Buffalo Bills. The Broncos 2-3 and three after beating the Patriots. And it was interesting if you listen to some of the press conferences. In the Chiefs press conference, the reporters were asking Spagnolo, Tyran, if they were aware that they had beaten the Broncos nine games in a row. And they weren't. In fact, Spagnolo. Um, acknowledges that had 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 that not been asked, he wouldn't have known. Same with Tyran, that they both just talked about each game is its own game. Listening to the Broncos players, it's totally the opposite. They're aware of the losing streak, and they've discussed that, and that's part of their drive. We saw that with the Raiders. They were certainly aware of, of the consecutive losses that they'd had. Gruden said he would have given anything to beat the Chiefs, which they did. And in fact, they took a victory lap around Arrowhead and the team bus afterward. So let's talk a little bit about the key matchups we're going to see or we expect to see. Marcus, let's start with you. Well, I, you know, initially I was looking at can the Chiefs secondary cover the Broncos receivers? But the more analysis that I do, Kansas City is 30th in rush defense. They're number three in passing, which makes them 16th overall. But that 30th and rush defense is going up against a Broncos team that has not rushed the ball well this year. They're 25th in rushing, 29th in overall offense. But I'm curious, can the Broncos get the ground game going to keep Mahomes on the sideline? Because to me, that's the only way Denver has a chance to win this game. Um, they're 29th in scoring offense, and they're 27th in passing against the third-ranked Chiefs secondary. So they're, they're not going to throw, throw the ball and make it up and down the field through the air. My question is, can Denver run the ball? If they can, they have a chance. If they can't, they're going to get roasted. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Marcus, especially when we saw what the Bills tried to do against us. And we talked about in the last podcast as far as um, what Sean McDermott had talked about their game plan was, was to keep the game short, uh, keep the score down, letting the Chiefs run the ball and keep them out of the end zone the best they could. That's always kind of been the thought process for playing the Chiefs is just to try to keep the score down by rushing the ball, whether that's, I think it's kind of new to let the Chiefs run the ball to keep the score down. But most other teams are trying to run the ball to keep that time of possession and, and to keep the score down. So the, the, like you said, Marcus, the, the Broncos have struggled with the run. They did just get Lindsey back, the running back who was, who was injured for several weeks. And he just went for 100 yards against the Patriots. And he's a little bit of a shiftier back than what the Chiefs are used to seeing. I think that that, that potential is there, and I think that's what the Broncos are going to try to do. They're going to try to do something similar to what the Bills did, and they're going to try to run the ball, keep the score down that way, and then I'm curious to see how the Broncos attack the Chiefs defensively. Yeah, six field goals this week will get, will get the Broncos killed. That was one uh, of I the thought... challenges that they were having is they were moving up the ball up and down the field, just as Kenlock alluded to it, and, and Lindsey was running – he was running hard. He was running well. Once they got into the red zone, they just can't convert. Vic Fangio was asked about his 30th ranked offense in the red zone. Well, everything gets squished up. The inline becomes the 12th defender for the defense, and uh, things are tighter. Things have to be more precise. Um, it's just tougher for the offense. Uh, the good red zone offenses are able to run the ball some down there, too, and have a good mix of run and pass. And uh, 
we haven't found our niche down there yet, obviously. One of the challenges Fangio acknowledged when that field gets condensed to be able to put the ball in the end zone. Um, I do think it would be a big help to get Noah Fant back this week because he's their really athletic tight end. And he's got great size, so he could be that red zone weapon that the Broncos have been missing. But I, I also did see that in the two wins that the Broncos have, their quarterbacks have thrown five interceptions. They've, I don't know really how they've, how they've pulled out those two wins. So they, they both seem kind of fluky in that sense. And so if, if the Broncos are going to turn the ball over and throw interceptions like that, there's no way that they're going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs. Just like Marcus said, if they're going to try to settle for field goals, like it's not going to happen. So Staten, what do you envision as primary matchup? I'm going to say that our lesser known wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson, Brian, uh, Byron Pringle, I think they're going to need to need to continue to step up. Um, last game, Demarcus Robinson had the second most amount of targets with six, just behind Kelsey. He led the team in in receiving yards with with 69, and and Kelsey had 65. Byron Pringle had 46 on two receptions. So I think with the Broncos defense being one of the top defenses this year, surprisingly, with the ninth in pass and fifth in run, uh, even without Vaughn Miller, I think that our two and three and four wide receivers need to need to step it up in order to open the field up for Tyreek and, and Clyde Edwards-Hiller out of the backfield. I think a lot of Chiefs fans are wondering, why isn't Pringle getting more playing time? Wide receiver coach Jennings was asked that, and here's his response. Well, it's not really anything that he has to get over. Uh, like like you said, it, it's a great group of receivers. And when any of them go in the game, you expect the same production out of everybody that steps on the field. When your number's called, make the most of that opportunity. And Pringle has done that each and every time he's been out there. And if his number's not called, he's affecting the game in, in other ways. But to say how does he get out there, all he needs to do is continue coming to work each day like he does, just like all the other guys do, and working and those opportunities will come. It's only one ball out there getting thrown around. Everybody is working hard, and we just want to continue doing that. And when the ball finds you, make sure that you're ready to, to make that happen. And I think all of our guys uh, across the board have done a great job of that, and that's why it is a, a, a tough group to get out there and get opportunities because there's so many possibilities. Uh, but it's not anything, one specific thing. Yeah, here, Pringle, do this, and, and you'll get more reps. It's when we can we count on you. And we can count on him. He's going out there. If we can't count on you, then we we you don't go out there. We we got to get that. And the guys we have, we can count on. Well, when you look at these matchups, you understand why the Broncos are nine and a half point underdogs. And I just checked the forecast for the game. It's going to be snow and wind. Right? It's going to look like ugly weather, similar to Buffalo last year the other night. Uh, Chiefs are going to have to run the ball. They're ninth overall in uh, scoring offense, seventh in passing, sixth in rushing. You know, they're going to have to win ugly again. Tough matchup for the Broncos. There's a reason they haven't won, what, in the last nine years. Uh, well, I'm going to be watching the offensive line, especially when we're kind of assuming that Mitchell Schwartz isn't going to be playing. Uh, I'm curious to see if this kind of ragtag offensive line that they've that they've put together will be as effective as they were against the Bills uh, against a strong Denver Broncos defense. So, and, and then also with Mike Remmers at an offensive tackle, I'm curious to see they didn't have to pass as much against the Bills when he's been working at guard for the most for the most part this season, moving out to tackle. I'm just curious to see how how that offensive line chemistry works when they're trying to protect Mahomes. So that's what I'm going to be looking for is, as far as just the offensive line and, and their cohesion working together, being a new unit. Here's Coach Bianami's expectations for the offensive line. We have a great coaching staff. Our guys do a heck of a job. Coach Heck has been, he's been coaching the O-line position for a long time. He played the position. 
He does a great job of preparing those guys to be the starter. And I'm talking about those guys who are uh, uh, down the line guys. So one thing as a staff, we take a tremendous amount of pride in making sure that the next man is ready. And so when it happens, it's not a panic. Obviously, unfortunately, you never want to see any of your players get hurt or go down. But when it does happen, the next man is up and he has to go in and perform up to the level that we're expecting them to. And uh, the thing is, is those guys do a great job of communicating. They built great relationships with their players. And it shows on game day that those guys are game ready. You're only as good as your last performance. So our guys played as good as a game as they could have possibly played for that weekend. I thought they, the preparation was much better. The focus was better. I thought guys had a plan and they went out and executed their plan because of all the little things that we, we talked about. Just having the right attitude and that determined mindset to take that field and go out and play up to the, uh, the level of expectations that we expect them to play. But now it's about putting consistent behavior on tape. Now we're faced with another challenge. Now we got to go to Denver and play against a, a young up and coming uh, defensive line group. It's playing some pretty good ball up front. And one thing that our guys got to do is just make sure that, hey, you know, last week was last week. What we did is gone. Now it's time to flip the page and move on to the next chapter. I think the three of you kind of covered the main matchups. I don't know that there's a lot more to look for other than maybe Le'Veon Bell getting introduced to the offense. There's some things to be really excited about based on the press conference and what Coach Bieniemy and Coach McCullough had to say about him. Uh, you know what? Uh, so he's had an opportunity to d fit into some Zoom meetings with our running back coach, Dylan, who's doing a hell of a job. And on top of that, he had an opportunity uh, to do some Zoom meetings with, uh, with Coach Anthony Sherman as well, you know, when he was on his COVID list. But uh, Le'Veon is a sharp kid, and he picks up football well. The thing that we don't want to do is overwhelm him and put him in a situation that could be detrimental to himself and to us. So we just want to play it out and see exactly what all he can adapt to and fit in with. But obviously, he's going to have an opportunity to do some things, and we want to we want him to go out there and be himself and just play. Yeah, you take things with a grain of salt. And, you know, I've had, you have conversations behind the scenes with people who work with him and see him every day. Um, but, again, his attitude here and just his pep in his step and just is like he's kind of feel like a little re, a rebirth to an, you know, to an extreme. So I'm just excited to have him here and, and looking forward to what he can do for us on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that just lets you know, I mean, he's a guy who has respect for what's going on. Um, he has a level of character that maybe people don't know about, but obviously it showed itself in that situation. I know the conversation I had with him um, previous to him uh, making this final decision, I was very impressed just with what some of his goals are and different things like that. And they melded into what we want to get done here. And there was no level of selfishness or anything I heard. He said, look, I'm coming in to get in where I fit in. I can help. And I know you guys will use me the right way and whatever that is, I'm going to do. I think it helps. I mean, just, just for me personally, what, um, having um, LaShawn last year, it gave me some insight as to how to get the guys prepped faster um, and different things like that. So um, I think, you know, right now, um, Le'Veon is the benefit of that as far as I had a plan for getting him ready quick. Um, and I think it's been showing in practice thus far. I mean, the guy don't look like, look like he's been here the whole year. You know, he's, he's operating at a high level mentally. Um, and then the things as far as the physical part is definitely showing itself. So 
we get a, a, a full speed practice today, so it'll be exciting to see what he does there, and then we roll into Sunday and see what happens. You know, the, in the press conference, it was noted that based on Le'Veon's experience, they anticipate that he's going to be able to step in, be effective pretty quickly. Part of that, Declan McCullough mentioned last season when they brought on LaShawn McCoy, it was kind of a learning experience for him on how to bring up a, a running back up to speed quickly. And he feels that that experience has allowed him to teach acclimate Le'Veon faster so that Le'Veon can, can be expected to be a contributor pretty quickly, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, well, that's actually cool that, that he mentioned that because uh, I'm sure that same experience with LaShawn McCoy helped him in, in getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up to speed too with the limited offseason reps that he probably was missing out on because of the the shortened offseason. So let's switch to what we anticipate the game plan. Ken Lock, you're the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you attack the Denver Broncos? Well, <laughs> To start, I just I just let Mahomes go out there and be Mahomes. Speaking of Mahomes being Mahomes, here's what Vic Bangio had to say when asked about playing a premier quarterback. The definition of a great quarterback to me is one of the definitions is there's no one way to play him. Um, you can't go pressure heavy. You can't just void yourself of pressure. You can't play all man. You can't play all zone. You got to mix it up because the great quarterbacks are too good. And this quarterback is definitely great. He's got great weapons. They got a great offensive scheme and they're really tough to beat. So there's no one way to play them. But try it at scores. Nobody's kind of broken that code yet. I think you you go in with what you want to do, regardless of what the defense is trying to do. And then you kind of adjust accordingly. I think it wasn't until Bill's game that they came in with a completely different game plan, which was to just come out running the ball. Speaking of running the ball and adding that to the arsenal, here's what Coach Fangio had to say about the improvement of the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, they're a better offense than they were last year. And um, because of the addition of Edwards you know, Hilaire, you know, he's a great back. And, uh, well, I don't know, he had 160, 70 yards rushing the other night. He's, had, he's running the ball good also. They have another weapon dimension to their game. And uh, when you add him to who Mahomes can deal the ball to, to the wideouts and the tight end, you know, they're double tough to stop. You know, since Mahomes has become the starting quarterback, they're an offsides penalty 2018 championship game being going for a three-peat here, not just a repeat. So they're really, really good, and they've even gotten better because of that. When you have Mahomes, you try to dictate the terms, which is what they've always kind of tried to do. I think that they should keep trying to do that because the Broncos haven't been able to stop him before. If the Broncos do implement something similar to what the Bills and the the Raiders and Patriots did, then you can you know get that ground game going. That's just that's what I would do. And just as you noted, Kenlock, if there is the need to make the adjustment, Chief Staff is ready. Well, I, I think if they're going to do what they've done uh, the past two weeks and, and, and play forty. 50 yards back deep. We're going to continue to hand the ball off to Clyde and Le'Veon and Darwin and Daryl and DeAndre and let those guys do what they do. And eventually those guys will come up and have to change what they're doing because we're gashing them in the run game. And then we'll get our opportunities. Uh, the receivers are not me guys. They're, they're, they're team guys. We're going to do what's called upon for us to, to do. And if it's not meant for us to get the ball deep downfield, then we'll work underneath and, and we'll find ways to affect the game with blocking, uh, doing whatever is necessary to help us get a W. Marcus, what would you do? Well, if you're the chief, you, you keep it simple, right? You ha you have an inferior team. We saw that with the Raiders a couple weeks ago and just tried to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. 
You can't. You focus on what you need to do, focus on your strength, and put the game out of reach. The Broncos are getting better, but they're a couple years away. Score early, get out early, get a lead on them, pressure the young quarterback to play outside of himself, make him play catch up, let the mistakes come. Because Drew will throw some pick, they'll have some three and outs, they'll stall in the red zone, you know it's coming. They did it last week with six field goals. Here's Drew Locke's response when asked what he expects to see from the Kansas City defense. I feel like we can expect them to come at us. That's kind of their defense. So, I mean, they got guys that love to rush the passer. Um, Tyron Matthews is an extremely skilled guy back there, especially with rushing the passer, passer as well. All their corners and safeties can make plays on the ball. Um, it's This is a tough task for us, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, we got to put, put together a good week of practice and just be ready to go. If the Chiefs focus and play their game and don't get out of what they do, they should win this pretty handily. And we saw the Chiefs play the Broncos last year in a snow game where the Chiefs won 23-3 to and, and helped control that entire game. If we're playing in the snow again, that actually gives a lot of advantage to the offense, especially even passing, because snow isn't too hard to pass in. It's actually a little bit easier than passing in the rain. With a slippery surface like that, it definitely gives an advantage to wide receivers because they know exactly where they're going. They know how to make their cuts. And the defense is just reacting. And so they have a tendency to slip a lot more. I think some people might think that it should, if it's snowing, you maybe just run the ball to protect the ball. But I do think that the Chiefs can handle coming out throwing. On the flip side, Staten. What is Denver going to have to do to attack the Chiefs? Well, I think it's exactly what, what you guys were saying earlier about trying to keep Mahomes off the field, trying to dictate the tempo of the game with the running game. Philip Lindsay, as Kinlock said, is, is back. And so hopefully, so they're, I'm sure they're hoping that they'll be able to get the run game started with this with the solid defense that Denver has. I mean, last game, Shelby Harris, Bradley Chubb, and Deshaun Williams, all defensive linemen had scored over 80, according to PFF. A couple of their defensive backs scored over 90 against, against Cam Newton and, and the Patriots offense. So you really just got to rely on your defense to try to keep the score low against the Chiefs, get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully, he, you know, pressure him to make a couple throwing mistakes like he has this year. Luckily, most of those mistakes have been dropped interceptions. But yeah, I think you got to keep Patty off the field. And when he is on the field, got to keep him under pressure and, and keep that defense tight like it's been all year. And Bradley Chubb has three sacks in his last, I think it's four games. He's getting back into condition. I can see the Broncos really trying to use the Raiders formula, running the ball, using Phillip Lindsay, and then certainly Locke wanting to take those shots downfield. That's what he loves to do. If he can hit on a few of the big plays, just like the Raiders did, that will probably be what keeps them in the game. Marcus, your prediction. I see it 27-17. I have final score being 30-10, Chiefs. I was going to go with Marcus, 27-17, and I was going to account for Butker's missed mixed extra point that he's making a habit. To change it up, I'll go 17-28, Chiefs. I think the Chiefs get back to scoring 30 points. They're going to break out 33-17, go to 6-1, and and we'll have another victory party. Unfortunately, Drew Locke, hometown boy, will take another defeat. Marcus, what have you got going on the rest of the day? It is massage day for Marky Mark. This portion of the show sponsored by Robert Kraft. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Staten, is yours going to be as eventful as, as Marcus? Yes, I will definitely be having some physical contact. Mine will be in the form of rugby practice. Right on. Kenlock, what about you? 
I don't have anything tonight. My hockey game was yesterday. And it's my understanding that uh, your hockey team won for the first time this season. And you had a couple <laughs> of goals. Well done. Speaking of hockey, we're going to take this show out with theme song from the Mighty Ducks and from the band The Outfield. Gen Xers, Tony Lewis passed away. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Tony. I know Marcus and I have had a tough couple of weeks losing Eddie Van Halen and now Tony Lewis. Two-thirds of my playlist. Chiefs victory. Yes, go Chiefs. I'm putting my mortgage on it.